Amen. I tell you, three years ago, I saw your gospel choir at MCC General Conference in Arizona. And I saw them, then I said, I want to be part of this church, let me tell you. Here I am, here I am. I must say what a joy it is for me to be here with you all to begin on this incredible journey with you. You know, it's, it, I'm sure you read, it's been about 10 years now since I left Houston to go to Oral Roberts University, and who would have thunk that I'd be returning to Houston as a member of MCC? And not just a member, but an ordained minister within MCC. I went from Catholic to Pentecostal church to the Episcopal church. And I want to, uh, I've got a varied uh, background, so just, I just want to warn you. But when I went to the Episcopal church, you know, I wanted my mother to come with me. I said, mother, come on, let's go to the Episcopal church. And I joined, and so she joined. She said, sure, I will. And then I went to the Episcopal church. I said, I want to join this church, mother. So I joined. You come with me. Sure, I will. And she joined the Episcopal church. And then when I came to MCC, she said, what's MCC? <laughs> but she knows a little bit more now. I want to recognize her. Her and my grandmother are right here in the, uh, in the center aisle. They are a, a big part also of why I decided to come home to Houston. Well, since then, she's learned a few things about MCC. I've learned a few things about MCC and about religion and God in general. And I'm honored to be able to share some of my experiences with you this morning. I'd like to open up with what I call affirmative prayer. You know, in prayer, we ask God. We petition God. Well, in affirmative prayer, we acknowledge that God is already here. So I want to begin with just a few affirmations. So repeat after me, if you will. Today I hear God knocking at the door. I know it's me whom God is calling for. Today I receive what God has in store. Amen. Well, in our reading from Matthew's gospel this morning, there is a knocking on the door, and it has come by way of John the Baptist. Now, when I'm talking about John First Baptist or John Second Baptist, I'm talking about John the Baptizer, someone who baptizes people. And this knock on the door may seem attractive to some of us because of the sort of man that John is. Now, first off, with grasshoppers and honey, he doesn't have the best palate for elegant food, that's for sure. But the gospel tells us that John is a rugged and hairy individual, a man's man, if you know what I mean, who has a noticeable fixation for leather. If you're here this morning and you're looking for a proof text for the leather community, it's in today's gospel. But John just isn't a leather bear. John is an activist. He is involved in something so subversive that he is forced to live out in the wilderness. You see, in the first century, no one wanted to live out in the wilderness. You know, today people go out on nature hikes and walks and take trips out to the wilderness to hear the sound of leaves rustling and the birds chirping, you know, to find peace and tranquility. But in Jesus' day, it was quite different. The wilderness was a place of fear where people were susceptible to so many types of danger. Bandits and robbers preyed on people who were traveling through. You didn't want to live alone out in the wilderness. You want to live in the villages near major cities and trade routes like Jerusalem. 
You didn't want to live in Shepherd or Atascacita. You wanted to live in places like Montrose and Midtown and downtown Houston, you know? But John the Baptist is done with the city life. He cannot live in Jerusalem any longer because for him, the city has become a symbol for corruption and oppression. Jerusalem wasn't an independent city ruled by the local inhabitants. Oh, no. It was a city ruled by the Roman Empire and the hand of Caesar. And while Jewish peasants and the poor were suffering needlessly and the most vulnerable in society were taken advantage of, Roman officials were profiting extravagantly off of slaves and cheap labor. It was so bad that even temple priests in Jerusalem were colluding with Roman authorities just so they could stay in power. If you didn't play ball with Rome, you were dealt with by Rome. Remember how Jesus was dealt with by Rome. Rome dealt with you like that, execution style. And one result of Rome's influence was that many religious authorities were no longer concerned about people. They had shut the door on people and their theologies, what they believed about God, began to reflect a closed-door mentality. How many of us have had to wrestle with a few closed-door mentalities in our lifetime? You know how it was. After a while, you just couldn't take it anymore. You weren't going to stand idly by and continue in the misery that a closed-door mentality had for you. But instead, you felt God knocking on the door of your heart, and you had to take a stand no matter the consequences. Well, that's what John is doing in today's gospel. He is subversively baptizing people and telling them, repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Be sure you hear this. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This isn't Rome's kingdom. This isn't Caesar's kingdom. This is the kingdom of heaven. God's kingdom has come near. God is knocking on the door, so repent. Well, what does he mean by repent? In the New Testament, to repent means to understand something differently, to change your mind, to change the way you think. You see, a changed mind leads to change actions. John is telling people that God is knocking on the door of all of our hearts. God is pounding on society's oppressive closed-door mentality, and it's time to change the way we think. How many times in our lives has God knocked on the door of our hearts, and we've had to repent and change the way we think about God and our neighbor and even ourselves? Many of us in this room once thought we were beyond the reach of God's love, but then we found churches like Resurrection MCC. Churches like Resurrection MCC knocked on the door of our heart and reminded us that God not only lives all around us, but God dwells within us. Amen? Sometimes God knocks on the door of your heart to teach you something, to stretch us in ways that we don't want to be stretched, to be challenged in ways that we don't want to be challenged. And 10 years ago, I had a very simple faith, let me tell you. Everyone just needed Jesus, and that was it. I treated Jesus like he was Metamucil, a fiber supplement. <laughs> With just a daily dose of Jesus fiber, everything would be oh so smooth, you know? <laughs> but back then, I could tell you what I believed, what was right and what was wrong. Everything was black and white. And I meant well, don't get me wrong, but I thought I knew it all. I was on fire with God in my heart, a flamer even back then. 
but my good intentions mistakenly put God in a box. All I cared about 10 years ago was getting people saved and getting people to say a simple prayer, inviting God into their life. And once they did that, I was done with them and on to the next soul. But the whole time, God was knocking on the door of my heart saying, hey, Michael, there's more to a change and transform life than people saying one prayer. I heard those knocks, but I didn't answer the door. Because if I answer that door, then I would have to ask deeper questions about how God operates in the world. And my simple theology would soon crumble to pieces. But God kept knocking on my door through my studies and in school. But I just couldn't go there. And then finally, God got tired of knocking and began pounding on my door. And finally, the door broke open. And finally, God got the message through. And it happened when I was leading a missions trip in 2002 to the city of San Francisco, I was at ORU at the time, and most of us on the team, you know, we all thought of ourselves as, you know, fervent believers in the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. We were young, we were excited, we were bold, and we knew what it was that we believed. We were in San Francisco to learn about urban ministry and to do ministry within the city. But I was there to save souls for Christ. I wanted to bring Christ to the city of San Francisco. And as we explored the city, and I just got to take a look at people, I began to think to myself how lost people were, how there seemed to be a big void in everyone's life, how people lacked and how they needed God in their lives. I wanted to help people because they lacked God. And so what did I do? Like my teammates, we prayed in shelters, we served in soup kitchens, and we talked to people on the streets of the Tenderloin District trying to get everyone saved. And then one morning, I was in a soup kitchen talking to a young man in his late teens. His name was David. And I asked David to tell me his story. And David told me how he had just been released from jail, how he was caught with drugs yet again, and this time the judge wasn't as lenient. He was sentenced to a month in jail. But after he got out, he tried to go back home. But his parents were through, fed up, fed up with him. They told him he couldn't go back home. He couldn't live there anymore. And David had to fend for himself on the streets, living in shelters and eating in soup kitchens day by day. And as you might imagine, as he's telling me this, I'm thinking, wow, now here is a guy who needs God in his life. If there's anyone on this planet who needs God, who lacks God, it's this guy right here. But then David continued telling his story, and he told me how while he was incarcerated, he got to read a lot of stories in the Bible, how he learned to pray. He told me how he felt God was encouraging him in his daily life, and how much he felt and he knew that God loved him no matter what he did. And he said to me, you know, Mike, I appreciate what you and your friends are doing out here. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people while God in jail, just as you're talking with me. But even now, while I'm, in home, while I'm homeless, I get to talk to people about faith and how God loves them for who they are. Many people don't think I'm a faithful person, but I really am. And then David said something that changed my life forever. He said, let me tell you something, Mike. I appreciate you coming out here, feeding us, helping us out, serving food, praying for people. But don't help us out because you think we need God or we lack God. Help us out because you see God in us. Amen. 
And there I sat, as you imagine, just, just across from David, just shocked and amazed. I mean, I realized in that moment, I, the missionary, the one with all the answers who knew it all, the evangelist, I had just become the evangelized. And I had to repent. I had a change of heart right then and there. I had to change my way of thinking right then and there. And in my years of being a Christian before then, I always thought of myself as doing everyone else a favor by introducing them to what they lacked and what they needed, God. I never viewed people as already containing the divine within them. But God got the message through loud and clear. Because of that encounter and experience with David, my view of God changed from this exclusive, privileged, tribalistic deity to an inclusive spirit and guide of all, no matter what you call her or him. I so wanted to hold on to the former because an exclusive God for the privileged few was what I was learned in churches. And just as a closed-door mentality had taken hold of society in John's day, a closed-door mentality has taken over society and even traditional Christianity in our modern day. But that's why I thank God for the movement of Metropolitan Community Church, because we are a church full of many followers of Jesus who are knocking on doors of oppression and challenging any closed-door mentality. We are a church that embraces everyone with the radically inclusive love for all. That no matter your gender, your sexual identity, your orientation, we are a church that doesn't just tolerate you, but we fully celebrate the beautiful creation that you are. We are a church that talks the talk and we walk the walk when it comes to fighting for equality and social justice, just as Jesus did. And thank God, we are a church that challenges people to grow spiritually by questioning long-standing Christian doctrines. I will tell you, it is so liberating to ask a question every now and then and knock on God's door for change. God doesn't care, so why are we so afraid to question something that doesn't affirm us and who we are in our lived experiences? Why is it that no matter how much we grow spiritually, we continue to try and hold on to beliefs that no longer fit us? Bill Miller, an Episcopal priest and author, uses the metaphor of tidy whitey's underwear and I call it the tidy whitey syndrome. You all know what tidy whiteys are. I'm going to ask you if you wear tidy whiteys. I don't need to know all that. But you all know the tidy whitey syndrome. You just don't know that you know. So many people will hold on to and wear the same tidy whitey underwear forever. Wear them over and over again until their tidy whiteys are no longer tidy or whitey. But church, we do the same thing with our own theologies. We hold on to certain beliefs about God so long that they are no longer able to support us as forward-minded, justice-seeking followers of Jesus. But aren't you so happy and glad that you found a church where you're allowed to throw away your tidy whities and put on a more fashion-forward lingerie, amen? But in order to get to the fashion-forward lingerie, you must first answer the knock at the door. And sometimes when God knocks, it's not that God wants to come in. Sometimes God wants to come out. Sophie Tucker, a fabulous gay icon who I learned about a couple of years ago, was known as the last of the red-hot mamas. She was a risque singer and actress 
who always pushed the boundaries when she was entertaining crowds in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, really the first 60 years of the 20th century. And you should, she used to tell the most hilarious stories and jokes about all the men in her life. And this one evening in her latter years, she was well past her prime, but she was joined on stage with four of the most gorgeous men you ever see. And as the men joined her on stage, she told the audience, you see all these beautiful men? Aren't they gorgeous? You should have seen them before the show. They were knocking and clawing at my dressing room door just before showtime, just pounded on my door. And honey, it got so loud, I finally had to let them out. <laughs> she's risque, I'm telling you, she's risque. But do I dare say that God is knocking and even pounding on the door of our heart, not trying to get in, but trying to come out of all that we've boxed God into. There is a divine spark, a divine light in each one, every one of us that wants to shine brightly, but we have to let it out. Where is God stretching you this morning? Will you answer the knock and let God out? I want to try something, a little call and response. Every time I say, answer the knock, you say, and let God out. So let's try that. Answer the knock. Maybe you have a hard time seeing God in your Muslim or Hindu neighbor. Answer the knock. Maybe you've been wrestling with inclusive language and just don't like calling God a she. Answer the knock. Maybe you've been going back and forth over whether to increase your tithes and offerings or whether to serve in some volunteer capacity. God is challenging you. So answer the knock. Maybe you're like me and you have a hard time seeing anything divine with our exes in Texas. But still, answer the knock. And maybe you're not ugly and not evil as people have told you. And maybe God wants you to begin to love yourself again. Please answer the knock. And maybe God is stretching you to see that your way isn't the only way. Maybe God truly lives within all humanity. Answer the knock. Church, as we prepare for all the good that God desires to bring us in this hopeful Advent, I ask you, will you be like John the Baptizer? Will you be like that young man David in San Francisco? Will you answer God's knocks at your door today? You know it's you whom God is calling for, so please, please, please answer the door and receive all that God has in store. Amen.